listening to the 12 Days of Christmas. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. We get to talk about another hymn, and I believe this one is going to be one of our, well, many people's favorites, I'm sure, one that we sing all the time. Joining us today, Benjamin Kologi, member of Faith Lutheran Church in Plano, Texas, professional church organist and composer and contributor to the Lutheran Service Book, Hymnal Companion. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me, Sarah. All right. We are going to Silent Night, Lutheran Service Book 363. And I know a lot of people know this one. So what new and exciting things are you going to share with us today about this hymn? Well, I think because everybody knows it and so many people love it, and that really makes it one of the hardest carols to talk about. <laughs> we really get attached to these carols. We should. We, but we get attached to them at an emotional and a sentimental level. And sometimes it's hard back hard to step back and look at them objectively. It's it's hard to consider some of the carols, I hate to say it, but from a scientific or forensic <laughs> point of view, which if, if you study hymns, a hymnologist, you have to do that. And so in this case, the history of Silent Night is wrapped up in this romantic nostalgia, which is, it's reminiscent of the Austrian Alps. I love visiting the Austrian Alps. One of the greatest places in the world. I've never visited at Christmas time because I'm an organist. I can never get away then. <laughs> I'm sure some of your listeners have taken great retirement trips at Christmas to the markets down there. But as a church musician, I can't abandon my post at Christmas time. <laughs> but this just takes us to the origins of this carol, which are really shrouded in legend. And I, I say all of this with kind of a grain of salt. But suffice it to say that we do know the words come from Joseph Moore. He was an Austrian priest, so Catholic, in the town of Oberndorf, who wrote the hymn text in 1816. He wrote six stanzas, of which we really only sing three in most hymnals these days. Now, Moore is really an interesting fellow. His parents were unmarried, and his godfather was the last official executioner of Salzburg. Whoa. And, um, <laughs> You never knew that him, hymns had such interesting connections. Thank you. <laughs> and it turns out a godfather that Moore got his last name. So Moore was a very fine singer and violinist, and he was trained by the music director at Salzburg Cathedral. And there was no mention about his studying as an understudy as an executioner, right? Seems like he abandoned that family tradition. <laughs> he composed this text in 1816, and it wasn't until Christmas Eve of 1818. Now, some accounts say it was Christmas Eve, um, that he decided that he wanted to sing it. I have to detour here. Most of us church musicians um, don't plan our Christmas Eve music on Christmas Eve morning. That wouldn't go well for me. Maybe Moore did this. Maybe there's more, there's more to Moore's story. Maybe he was that sort of guy. And, but he walked to a nearby town to ask his friend, Franz Gruber, who was a schoolmaster, organist, and composer, and who was playing the organ at Moore's church, if he would write a tune for the, his Silent Night text. And I, I, I don't really know if this is completely true, but if it is, I have to stop and advise all the pastors out there not to try this with your musician. <laughs> Christmas Eve morning is not the day to burden us with this thing. But those were different times, and it, what, what happened, apparently. And so Gruber provided this lovely melody, which we sing today, and again, there's more historical legends you have to sort through to get about this. Some say that the organ in Morris Church was broken, which necessitated his inaugurating, inaugurating the carol that evening. Some say the church was almost flooded, rendering the organ potentially 
unusable. I don't know. When I was little, I watched a cartoon show about how the organ was rendered inoperable by a mouse named Anani Mouse. I, that's not true. Truthfully, though, I have a feeling Moore probably wanted to sing this, this song with his favorite instrument, the guitar. And it's best not to get too dogmatic about its historical origins because we just don't know about this. But some accounts say that Silent Night was first performed by Moore and Ruber singing with a congregation joining in the refrain. And this would have been done after Christmas Eve Mass, as tars weren't permitted to be sung, to be used in the liturgy at the time. And also they wouldn't have sung in German. So this would not have most likely been sung during the liturgy. It would have been, it's a type of folk song, would have been sung afterwards and then later after it found favor at home. And a carol was popular with a little congregation. It was unknown elsewhere for 20 years until a local organ repairman, I guess it took 20 years to get the organ repaired, he finally noticed the carol. He showed it to a local singing group and they, they took it all over. And it appeared in England in 1858 and by 1865 it has appeared in America. So I told you at the outset, we really have to consider this carol critically. It's been criticized through the years as representing a sort of nostalgic Christmas as opposed to historical Christmas or a theological take on Christmas. And you have to admit, if you consider the first Christmas Eve in the confines of a dirty stable and smelly animals, the baby Jesus born in a feeding trough, Mary and Joseph having been relegated there maybe because there was no room at the inn, the first stanza does sound a bit anachronistic. Silent night, holy night, all is calm. All is bright, round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. Well, likely the night was not silent. It really probably wasn't that calm, and it doesn't sound so peaceful. But we have to remember that hymns have a very emotional component. We're not trying to, to read or sing text out of a history book. Many hymns do tend to sanitize or romanticize history, and that's okay to an extent, as long as he realizes doing it. This hymn's also been criticized because they say it fails to consider the incarnation in a serious way. But we sing, Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight, glorious stream from heaven afar, heavenly hosts sing, Alleluia, Christ the Savior is born. Silent night, holy night, Son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy faith, with the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus Lord at thy birth. So if we look at it, there's really no consideration of the Father or Jesus as the Word made flesh, although he is called the Savior. And we sing of the dawn of redeeming grace, which references Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. I think if these criticisms, if they have some validity, it might be due to Victorian translation. And there's a LCMS musician named Martin Dickey who's worked with the David's Heart Project. David's Heart Project, you may know that. He's translated all six stanzas from the original German, which I'd like actually to read. And consider how they really do address the important theological issues, such as the incarnation. So this is from Dickey's translation. Silent night, holy night, all is still. One bright light shines where Joseph and Mary keep loving watch over their child asleep. Silent night, holy night, Son of God, our delight is God's smile upon us. In power, as for us, strike salvation's hour. Jesus, Lord, at your birth, 
Silent night, holy night, love come down from heaven's height, is our Savior in whom we see mercy, grace fulfilled perfectly. Silent night, holy night, where today power and might is poured out upon us, and we all together come kneel to see Jesus, Lord of the world. Silent night, holy night, Adam's sin did indict, but the Father placed wrath for sin on his only begotten Son, reconciling the world. Silent night, holy night, shepherds heard, then proclaimed Alleluia with angel choir. Singeth loudly, both near and far, Christ the Savior is here. So if you consider these original verses, they are really theologically substantive. He really does speak of sin, the sin of Adam and God becoming man, his, God's only begotten son reconciling the world. And before we close, I just want to talk about this melody briefly. It's set in the form of what's called a Lindler, a type of waltz characteristic of the Alpine region in Austrian Germany. It's set in three, four times, and it, there, it has this gentle, lilting, rocking pattern. Americans, though, like to sing it really slowly, and it kind of loses this rhythmic feel. And if you look at the original manuscripts, you'll see that it needs to have a faster tempo, more waltz-like, dum da dum 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 in order for this music and text to come alive. And I know that that's not how most people want to sing it these days, and I'm not the organist who's going to die on that hill. I want to get paid in my congregation. So but for one year, for lessons and carols, I had my choir do this, Moore's original arrangements, and did it at their tempo with, their, with, with, his, with his instruments, and it sounded very much like an Austrian folk song which exactly is how it was intended to be. And just to conclude, I know we've considered this text critically from a historical and theological perspective, but I think the value of, in this great carol is that it connects us Christians far and wide. We've all sung it for over 200 years. We've been singing this on Christmas Eve. And in a world so full of strife and distrust and pain and decay, this carol really does the, affirms the importance of the Christmas carol tradition that we all share, and by extension, of course, hopefully, the importance of Christ and his church in the world. Thank you for clarifying some of the history for us, and apologies to anyone who had to play the mouse in a play depicting <laughs> the, story, the history of Silent Night. Benjamin, I, I really appreciate all the great research that you've done to share the insights on these Christmas hymns for us. Thanks for being our guest here on the 12 Days of Christmas. You're welcome, Andy. Thank you. You're listening to the 12 Days of Christmas. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. 